What's Swingin' Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Steel Mace Nation podcast. I am your host, Fred Moore. Today's episode is with Don of Adex Adjustable Clubs and Maces. You are probably familiar with the Adex Mace. It is the adjustable. It's black. It's got the long handle, kind of like a gata uh, with the ball on the end. It's the exclusive... Um, it's the exclusive mace used in the vintage strength games. Uh, and I also believe the Texas mace shootout. Um, these are all, you know, new competitions that are coming out here in America that, uh, you guys gotta, you know, tap into this because it's, it's going to get bigger. And, uh, even if you're just on the sidelines watching, it's, you know, it's always good to, you know, have this to, um, you know, basically enjoy and, um, so Don came on to the podcast today to talk about, obviously, his maces and everything. He's also introducing a new one that is more for flow. And um, he's a big fan of the flow community. And he's also really big on, the obviously, like the heavy swinging and everything. And we talk about you know, how he got into fitness, how, you know, why he, how he designed his club. It's actually a pretty cool podcast because he's sitting in his shop and he, he's grabbing stuff and showing us things, taking things apart. So it's, it's kind of like a workshop podcast in a way. Um, so before we get to Don, just want to give you guys some information about what's going on in uh, the New Jersey area. Um, as you know, I am a steel mace coach and I'm with, Jersey Shore Mace Academy. Jersey Shore Mace Academy is basically, you know, a, a new endeavor that myself and Ken Potus over at Critical Mass came about. And uh, Ken is the founder, and he made me a head coach. And he said, "Hey, let's let's do workshops together." So we have two workshops coming up in November, and you know, I'm encouraging people to come on out and sign up for it through Eventbrite. The first one is on November 16th. It's going to be in Clark, New Jersey, and that's going to be at Tutela Training System. The owner of the gym is Chris Tutela. Uh, he actually had me on his podcast over the summertime, and I was talking about Mace, and he said uh, he'd like to have us come up and do the workshop. So it's really nice to have somebody invite us like that. And the other uh, event is on November 23rd, and that's going to be at Impact Zone up in Norwood, which is North Jersey. And that's another MACE workshop. So you could sign up for either one of those on Eventbrite to find it. You could go to Jersey Shore MACE Academy on Instagram and click the link. The link will take you to the Eventbrite. If uh, you have a problem finding it, you could just go to Jersey Shore MACE Academy and DM and we will just help you along. We'll send you the link. You could also hit me up at steelmacenation.com, send me an email, or you could go at steelmacenation on Instagram, DM me. I'm always on there, so you guys can contact me whenever you want, any information for that. And uh, we'd love to have you out for this awesome workshop that we put together, teaching basically you know, foundational moves. And we like to you know, add in some other things, make it more unique and uh, something different. So it stands out a little bit from other 
types of uh, mace training so you could really round yourself out. And it's ideal for the coach who wants to get something under their belt so that they can start teaching their clients right away. And, you know, coaches are busy. They own gyms or whatever, and they don't really have a lot of time that they could dedicate to learning a whole new modality. So we just found, like, a clever little way of keeping it shorter down to, like, a four-hour workshop or something. So check that out. And uh, before we hit the podcast, want to send a shout-out to Ongo Energy Spray, our sponsor. You could use the discount code SteelMace25 at checkout, and you get 25% off. Ongo Energy Spray is a, is a caffeine supplement. You spray it in your mouth. It gets, it gets absorbed through the uh, walls of your mouth. So basically, you're avoiding coffee. You're avoiding pre-workouts, things that bloat you, give you heartburn, make your breath smelly, you know, uh, all the annoying things with coffee and everything. Not that there's anything wrong with coffee, but when you want to perform and you want to train, it's nice to be able to have this caffeine spray. I do use it frequently. Um, I also use it when I'm at work at the firehouse, you know, a hard shift. And instead of chugging another cup of coffee and probably not even doing anything for me because it takes like 20 or 30 minutes for your body just to metabolize it, the spray works like three minutes and you're feeling pretty uh, hyped up from it. So it uh, helps with that, helps with driving, helps with working out. And uh, it also is a great alternative if you want to stop drinking too much coffee. You could kind of wean yourself off because it's metered doses and you could actually take one spray or two sprays, you know, if you're having like trouble getting off of caffeine. So uh, it's like another tool in the toolbox. Use it wisely. Use it to your advantage. So thanks for supporting the podcast, guys. Do some reviews for me, please. And uh, I will keep this podcast going strong for you. All right, let's move on to the episode. Don from Addex. Neighborhood. And so I got the idiots inside the house. That's your shop so, right there? Yeah, this is this is the Addex shop, like, over here. Like, everything behind me, like, behind me is all Addex clubs and boxes and things like that. I've got, you know, like, the packing paper right here. And, uh, you know, the persuader. Etc. You know, all yeah. I've got a I've got a, a tap for chasing the threads, and uh, even I bend my own boxes. I use a pizza wheel, so all my years as a pizza man actually paid off because I've got to score the boxes different ways and fold them because they don't have the you know standard cut boxes don't aren't the exact shape I need them to be. Yeah. So I actually take the time to do that instead of stuffing it with more crap that's just going to end up in the environment. You know. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty I try cool. To, try to keep, try to be a little environmentally sensitive, you know, for what I can do at being this level in business. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's great to see uh, business owners do that nowadays because, you know, like especially a small business, right? You, you, you got so much going on, yet you're taking the time out to actually be thinking about other things besides the bottom line. Unfortunately, we still have huge corporations that aren't doing that. So I wish exactly. yeah, yeah, they yeah, say they get, do, but do they really? When you, get an, when you get an Amazon package and they send you this in a box that's like this big with all these air pillows inside it. Right. 
I mean, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just going to end up in a land, you know, that ends up at Fishkill Island. Yeah, and the person probably, whatever it is that they bought, they use it once and throw that away, too. <laughs> yeah, because it was 29 cents. Right. The throwaway, throwaway world. But the one thing that's not throwaway is your attic space. That's for sure. Once you yeah. possess one of those in your hands, you never want to put it down. And I know that because I held one and I use it every now and then, and it's pretty awesome. That, thank you. So you, that, that is just it's something you can pass along to your grandkids, and they can pass it down to their grandkids. Oh yeah, that bomb proof. You know, I mean, nothing's gonna destroy one of those things. So I mean, yeah, that's gonna last this forever. This is the only maintenance it needs. It's it's petroleum jelly. It's Vaseline. Okay. You brush it on the threads every now and then. Boom, you're, you're good to go. Yeah. So you make each one of these by hand in your own shop. There is that how this works? No, I I designed them. I made some of the originals um, back in the day. Are we are we rolling with this? Yeah, man. We've been rolling. rolling. Yeah. We we know oh, all about it. your Vaseline and everything. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> um, so what I. I originally came up with the idea because I used a one-sided dumbbell with a three and a half pound weight on it to try to emulate the mill movement because I thought that would rehabilitate my shoulder, which it ultimately did. Yeah. So after I trained myself with that for three months, I decided that, wow, how come everybody doesn't have one of these? And then I looked up the prices and pretty much the only person in 2007 that had any kind of clubs going on was Scott Sonnen with the Armax clubs and um, I think Apollo power clubs, lever club, power levers or something, lever bells or something they call them. They had a set of them and they're pretty pricey for both of them. How it came back to being adjustable was the fact that I, I, I had that question, why doesn't everybody have one of these and can you make an adjustable one? So I talked with people about that they're like, ah, you know, the adjustable ones all fly apart. They're yeah. all together with like a screw, like an old-fashioned weight collar. Yeah. They weren't really, you know, going on, you know, like a little more sophisticated, like what, you know, this design, I, I don't even want to say it's sophisticated. It's very simple. But, you know, it wasn't to that point yet. I guess people, there wasn't enough people doing it. And the first ones that I made were out of baseball bats. I used T-ball bats. I cut them like about that far down from the end, from the top end. I'd cut them, I'd make the top part, the cap, and I'd weld a, a piece of thread like that. And I had to make the aluminum threads. Nobody had any aluminum threads that were a one-inch size to hold regular weight plates. I'm going to see if I got one right here on the floor. I know they're underneath here somewhere. I don't want to take too much time away from the, from the podcast. But I do yeah, actually Tom. have, like, behind this curtain here, one of the original ones with the weights on it. If you want to see it, I can get it. With the, one of the bats that I started. Yeah, out let's with. take a look at it. Yeah. All right, give me one second. All right. There goes Don making his move, going behind Don's the curtain. Behind he's the curtain. Knocking over everything. Oh, uh, that you know what? If you knock over your ADEX graphics that you got back there, that would be yeah. great. That would be comedy right there. That would, I'm not going to knock that over because that'll reveal everything behind the curtain and we'll see the Wizard of Oz for what he is. <laughs> right. But here's one, of, here's the original, original. This is the first one that I made. And uh, see so how the top of the bat is right there. Look how slow this thread comes out. And I had to turn these threads on a lathe myself 
I uh, got I'm fortunate enough to have uh, the keys to a buddy of mine's welding shop, so I could go over there anytime and just work on stuff. But right. check this out: how slow and so primitive that, this uh, this was the original one right here. That's and a, this is actually this is actually coated with Rhino liner from you know like truck yeah, bed. Coating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what I actually did it with. That's really uh, imaginative of you. So that's an actual T-ball bat that you. This is a yeah. This is a T-ball bat. I welded that thread in there. I turned it down from aluminum stock. I took weights. I put little pins in them because the first ones that I I did and then they pinned to here also. The first ones that I did, uh, the the real first one that I did, had no pins in it. And the weights would spin, yeah, and un and they'd unscrew the top. Oh yeah, right. So you know, this is pretty much the OG one right here, and this is how it all started. But it didn't feel like a club. It didn't feel like an R Max club or one of the Apollo clubs. I'm just going to do that right there. So that's what it. That was the original. That's yeah. the original one ever. So I, I decided to kick around the idea of making it shaped like a club. I mean, I contacted Easton and Louisville Slugger, and I'm like, hey, I got a great idea for your T-ball bats. And they basically laughed at me. They're like, <laughs> who's going to train with that? You know, like, you know, like, and I'm like, well, just think of it. It's like a weighted donut. Oh, why don't you just use a donut on the bat? And they kind of like blew me off. Right. So I'm like, okay, fine. You know, this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, this is, this is where it, um, it started. This is how it all started. So I just progressed from there. In 2010, I sketched the idea for the, the shape that I have now and, you know, came up with a way to do it. I, I applied for a provisional patent. I let it sit. I made one. I did all the drawings myself. This is where stuff in life, when somebody says, you never use algebra in life, well, people don't know that they're using algebra on a daily basis. They just don't, they're not smart enough to know it's algebra. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I had all my architecture and my engineering formulas and stuff because I learned drafting in school. I took it from seventh grade to 12th grade. And I drew the, I drew the drawings for it and I brought it to this uh, machinist who turned everything by hand. He's a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand, and he, he owns a shop in Fort Lauderdale. The guy's like, yeah, I'll make it for you. The first prototype I ever made cost me like $989 to get made. Damn. Yeah, and I said, you know what? Uh, I, 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 even though I was making crane operator money at the time, I was getting hammered up for a big chunk of child support, which I got no problem paying. Yeah. But I, I shifted things around. I shifted the dynamic around with my ex-wife. This is a little tip for everybody who's doing a child support thing. I bought a house. I had my ex-wife buy a house using the equity we had in the home that I left her and the kids to buy the house as a future investment for the kids. And my, my um, con contribution towards it was the upkeep and the payment of the mortgage. Yeah. So it reduced my, you know, my monthly expenditure. So right. if anybody can benefit off of this, do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so, smart. You know, now my kids got a piece of property that, you know, they can, you know, use for equity for things like that, or if they need the home. Yeah, I so, love that. And it's now rented. Yeah. But um getting back to that, you know, once I got freed up of that, I had a little extra money to be able to like go on with the addicts. But prior to that, I didn't have that extra, you know, eleven hundred dollars a month. And now I could put it in towards addicts so i started developing the clubs 
and you know we are I'm where I got to today in other words you know so it was kind of slow I started it out like a hobby almost did my other job but I was I was fortunate enough to be it's kind of like you know how like you can sit for days at the fire station and really not get called like you know you just go out a couple times yep. and then other times it's like one call after another you yeah. know you didn't sleep for like three days. Right. The same things with a crane. You get up in your crane or you sit in your crane and they're yelling for you. Yeah, the plumbers are yelling for you. The block guys are yelling for you. The concrete guys are yelling for you. The GC is yelling for you. And then other days you sit there and you're like, I didn't even turn it on today. <laughs> so it was like yeah. a hurry up and wait game. Yeah, yeah. So I had all, all this time to be able to call metal places, to talk to people and stuff like that. And pretty much that was back in from like 2010 to 2013, 2013. I came out with them on social media, 2014. I went to a CrossFit event, debuted them for real, you know, in front of people and athletes. They all laughed at me pretty much, but um, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're... And I'm doing it, you know, and I'm trying to be a big part of the community. You know, having addicts be a big part of the community. Yeah. Well, you know, I met you for the first time in the flesh down in Virginia at the uh, Vintage Strength Games. And uh, me and you started chatting right away. And um, you, you definitely, uh, everybody was like, hey, Don, you know, everybody was talking with you and everything. You definitely networked in with the community big time. Um, you know, your your product is awesome. It's like a... I, when I hold uh, an Adex mace, I, I I think like it it's it reminds me of something like the military would make. It that's like how like it it feels like real like um you like utility like you know um and 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 strong and bomb proof. It's, it's, it's definitely got a feel to it. It's solid. Yeah. Um. I, I was very concerned when I was designing it that it wouldn't feel like the same way that the clubs feel, but being that it's adjustable and everything, it's, it doesn't feel exactly the same, but it's real close yeah. to how a real club feels. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you get the benefit of being able to adjust it. And I mean, oh, how yeah. cool is that? Well, the whole idea of that was that I, I couldn't understand. Like I looked at it from an economic standpoint when I first looked at it and I said, well, if I buy, you know, I said, all right, Scott Sonnen recommended that uh, athletic men start with a 15-pound club and athletic women start with a 10-pound club. So I was thinking to myself, I'm thinking like a weightlifter now because I came from a, a powerlifting, power bodybuilding background type right. of thing. So, you know, it's meathead bodybuilding. Bro, you know, bro lifting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, you know, that, you know, like when I saw it, that you had to buy a 15 pound club and then you go, well, what if that's too heavy? Then I'm going to have to buy the 10 pound one. Now his clubs are expensive because they're really nicely made. Okay. So, you know, they have padding on them and everything like that. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to spend $89 plus 30 bucks for shipping. I'm going to, if I, if it's not heavy enough or it's too heavy, I'm going to be spending another, let's say $70 or $90 plus shipping. And then what about the smaller exercises, like the wrist movements and stuff that I'm going to be doing where I don't have good form. I'm, I'm not going to be able to, so I got to get another one that's possibly lighter, like maybe a five pound one. Yeah. So I'm going to have to pay shipping on that. 
So like every time I'm buying a club, I'm having to pay shipping. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I was like, why doesn't anybody? So I started asking people and people like, yeah, they make them, they get a screw on them. You put weights on them, but they don't feel like a club. And and I'm like, all right, you know, they make just the handles or, you know, there's some products out there that are just the handle that screw together. And I was like, why is nobody making it with the weights? And then I, you know, realized it was a little pricey to do, but I could get, get it done. And I figured out that I could do it. So I started with the clubs, you know, the original ones had six settings. Now I'm up to 10 settings, oh. you know, by, by uh, doing that. So like the, right. the original, original ones also I have a slower thread set. I went to a two lead thread set versus the single lead, regular screw type of thing. Now it's got like a dual helix, yeah. like a DNA, a yeah. DNA spiral. Yeah. So it's like that. It spins in twice as fast, you know, to, to accommodate people. But the beauty of the adjustability or spending the money and having the whole array of clubs, you know, either way, the beauty of that is that you can train like the same way you train with weightlifting principles. I warm up with a lightweight. I put a couple more pounds on. I put a couple more pounds yeah. on. And then I'm up to my working weight, you know, and then I can strip it down or I could finish off there or I could go in and out or I can reduce the amount of weight that I'm using to fine tune. Like I had a problem with my mill when I first started uh, doing my mills, Rick Brown pointed it out to me. And, you know, I was in, I, I was always talking with Rick and he was like, you, you get a little out of line with your mills. You're not staying in the same plane. Your, your club is turning. So I found out I had a, a wrist weakness and I fixed that by isolating that part of the mill and using a lighter weight and just doing the exercise, which was this, right. the side strikes. Yeah. And I'm doing this. And all of a sudden, within like two weeks, I was doing that a little bit every day, you know, just a few reps every day to get it. Added weight, weight, weight until I got up to the weight I was doing my wonky mill with. And then all of a sudden, my mill got really smooth. Yeah. Because I had the ability to go right to a lighter weight and adjust it all the way for a few weeks fine-tune it and get into it and i think that is such a benefit to people who are looking to either get stronger or you can add a little bit of muscular size with this you're not going to get big like with weights right but you know it looks like you train yeah you know i mean you know i'm 56 years old i kind of look like i work out a little bit um so you know it's it's you can work in the same principles and i think that you know, is more important than actually you know, the economic value of it. I think the the smart training ability with it is is better because yeah. you know instantly you can change back and forth. And you I got yeah. I got a question. If we could just backtrack, because this is this podcast is uh, like a, a coach's podcast. You know, like to talk about coaching and how to uh, any any information that we could glean about um how to cue a client or how to even you know just make our own game better um you were talking about doing these mills right and that rick pointed mm -hmm. out that you weren't staying in the same plane i don't know if it's possible for you to break that down right now and describe what it is like can you explain for those watching what would that look like or what what is it that we should be looking at uh, okay. To check our mills. Okay. So when I was doing the mill, all right, I, let's just pretend this is the club right here. 
and you're coming around and you're bringing the you're bringing the club behind your head. Right. I was turning it this way. Oh, I see. Because I didn't have the wrist strength to hold it this way yeah, and right. go back. Yeah. And develop that pattern. Okay. So here's what I was doing, and when I was going this way, I was not getting that that little wag in the back there where you can launch it off your shoulder and get that get that boom, yeah throw into there. Okay. So. And it, it was also it also felt funny when I was doing it, but I didn't know any better because I was kind of new at doing the heavy stuff and I really wasn't sure. Yeah. So what I did was I filmed myself from overhead and I still use these videos to this day. I filmed myself from overhead. This is, you know, before drones were accessible and all that. I taped, I taped my phone to a two by four and I put weights on the top of it and stuck it out over the bathroom partition on a gym yeah. in the gym that I was training at and filmed me from above to make sure that we're looking from above. The club always stayed in one direction like this. It wasn't turning. Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did that and I realized the training and the, what Rick had taught me, you know, and he said, try to do that with your club. And I realized that by taking out, you know, with Rick's cue and then by, by backing off on the weight, going to the lighter weight, which was easy to do with the Adex club because it's adjustable. Right. I was able to get that, you know, lower the weight, be able to get that feeling. I said, here's the part where I have the problem right here. I started doing the side like 90 degrees to the center I was exactly from here you know using the L lift because in with wooden clubs with Indian clubs you keep the elbow out because they're light when you're using steel club when you're using heavy you want to keep the elbow in to protect the soft tissue that's in the elbow so you don't want to be, you know be flying in like this with a 20 pound club you want to tuck it in and then put it behind your head so I used that to do this exercise right here until I got it smooth. Then I started adding two and a half pounds, two and a half pounds, two right. and a half pounds, till I was up to the weight where I thought I should be doing a mill at. And lo and behold, boom, right there. It just, my mill was cured. That's awesome. And, that's... and it worked really well for me. And I said, wow, that's another benefit is that you can fine tune your little portions. You know, like your movement is 360 degrees, let's just say. I mean, you can fine tune 40 degrees of that yeah. by backing out on the weight. Yeah. And right. it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, um, you know, we, we do that in traditional weightlifting too. You know, it, you might add like, you know, five pound plate to something and, and work, um, you know, the, the top end of your, your lift or something just to get stronger in that portion. So that, that way you can move through the whole range of motion. So you're focusing on that one, that one area and uh, basically strengthening everything and then also building in the muscle memory too. So that portion of the mill is perfect. I mean, I, I love it. Yeah. And, and it's it really like you're putting a lot of thought into your training at that point. Like, how do I make this better? How do I keep myself from getting hurt? And basically uh, being able to do it forever. Right. So that, well, yeah, this is one of the, this is one of the few, well, I don't want to say few, but there's not many exercises you're going to be able to do up until your last day. You know, hopefully we all want to check out with that 
you know, that painless, you know, switch off heart attack, you know, where you just go, <laughs> right. you know, you don't want to be writhing around on the floor with something terrible or, you know, hooked up to an oxygen bottle for five years. But, um, you know, that, you know, hopefully we're all able to, um, reap the rewards of our fitness and lead a full life as long as we can. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, I think, you know, when I was, when I was 25 years old, my idea of fitness, we talked about this before was, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Oh, look, there's Arnold on the cover of a magazine and I want to look like him and that's fit. And then when I started learning about fitness and, you know, the redefining of fitness by CrossFit being at its mainstream, you know, the work over time, you know, I, I forgot that saying that they had, but, uh, you know, it's, it's that whole, it was always printed on shirts and stuff like that. They, they actually made me open my eyes even more and say, I was sold a bad bill of goods as to what fitness was. Now, don't get me wrong. Joe Weider did a lot to help people get off the couch, get moving, get their mobility, get strong, everything like that. But he marketed in a way where he pointed to his bodybuilders and said that was the ultimate in fitness. Yeah, right. Well, now we know we know better. Maybe we're not exactly, we don't have the exact definition yet, but we're getting really a lot closer. But this is how time, I shouldn't say it was a bad bill of goods, but that's the that's what they had to use at that time. Yes, right. And, and it's what and, was understood. And you just yes. go with what you understand. That's pretty much it. But now we, we're learning more and more as time goes on. And now we're really in a, a fitness renaissance, right? I mean, we we still have yes. bodybuilding going on and all and heavy lifting and power lifting and everything, but guys are 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 learning like, hey man, mobility is important. Uh, you know, operating in the transverse plane is important. Being able to do a lunge is important. Being able to do you know functional type stuff and and unconventional training now. I mean, it's all meshing and tying in together, and you're seeing modalities crossing and um somebody who's a, a, a power lifter doing something like you know swinging a mace and a body Louis Simmons. Lou, Lou, you can find a video i think it's from like 2008 Louis simmons is standing in uh a pl in a platform area that he has and he's got the old style uh the, sh the short maces with the globe on them but they're all you know like a boulevard style one right like it's similar to my arc you know yeah and he's doing he, he's doing some like iron sheik moves where I, I i don't know the name of the traditional name of the indian indian clubs and the meal moves but it's just behind what the iron sheik used to do behind one shoulder and roll them in and yeah out. like this they're called jewelry turns yeah right. not really sure but um you know that that was always an impressive thing and what i find um kind of not funny but like kind of why did the Indian clubs and the maces that were popular a hundred years ago, like fall out of, out of style. Like it just, they just kind of vanished for a little, our, our militaries were using them. England's military was using it. India's military, Australia's, New Zealand's, they were using clubs. Yeah. And, and you know, that, and there's even old films of school kids using them. And then they just kind of like, you know, like got lost in history and they were revived by, Scott Sonnen, Jake Shannon, and these guys, you know, brought it back out, you know, in mainstream. They started out in the late 90s, early 2000s, and uh, it kind of caught on. And I was like, people used to do this. They did it for, 
you know, thousands of years. And why aren't we still doing this? You yeah. know, this looks like a, a really cool thing. And plus, to be honest, I wasn't a great lifter, you know, as far as like powerlifting. So, you know, going over to something like this, you know, making that change after the injury was not like where I was turning my back on my sport or anything. You know, I was just kind of like done with that chapter in my life. But I did, I tried to do something where others could benefit from it. You've got a shoulder injury and this could possibly help you if your therapist or doctor says it's okay. Yeah. You know, try this out. You know, I did this in lieu of getting a screw put into my shoulder. No kidding. You know, I was, I was one of the lucky, yeah, I had a, I had a strain on my AC joint. Right. We could talk really anatomically correct here, right? Yeah. So if, if people don't understand what that is, that's where your clavicle, your, that, that's your collarbone and your shoulder blade, which is your scapula come together right here on the end of your shoulder. It's at the distal end. I'm thinking I'm doing all this all right. You're an EMT, right? Yeah, 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 distals, yeah. yeah. So right. it, it creates a fossa, which is a hole for your humerus to hang out of. Yeah. And that has, a, that has a, a ligament between there. And what happens when people say they have a, a sprained or a strained shoulder, that ligament gets stretched. It's just like rolling your ankle, in other words. Yeah. You get that pain for three weeks right. and you get a swelling. Well, I got, that, I got that stretch in there. But what happened was it stretched far enough to be, separate the, two, the ends of the two bones, but it didn't tear through. So they said, well, we could put a screw in there to tighten it up, but your range of mobility is going to be limited to about here. Mm. And I knew a guy from New Jersey, as a matter of fact, um, he had a screw put in his shoulder and he was always like, he was this guy. Yeah. He could, you know, one, he pressed with dumbbells and one dumbbell would drop, the other one was here. Wow. So, so I said, I don't want to be like that. I'm 34 years old. I don't want to be debilitated. And I kept hemming and hawing about it. But what was going on was that my bicipital tendon and, and one of the nerves, I think my ulnar nerve, I'm not really sure which one, would go up into there because now at this time I'm making pizza. So forget the crane operator thing. I was making pizza at this time. And I'm doing this all day in a super busy pizzeria. And my shoulder's constantly inflamed, constantly in pain. Yeah. And the, the nerve and the tendon would jump up and the two bones would come back together again and pinch them. Oh, man. So I had this, like somebody... Um, like an electric had, shock. Yeah, well, not only that, but it had this dull pain inside there where like, you know, like when, something like the uh, the uh, blood pressure cuff where you're pumping the ball. Yeah, yeah. And you're filling it up. I felt like there was a balloon in the center of my shoulder mm. and somebody was pumping it up Wow! and then letting it out and then pumping it up and letting. So it would feel like my arm wanted to blow out this way where pressure was pushing it out and uh, doing the mills. I mean, this is as ridiculous as it sounds. I did the mills for 90 days for three months. I said, I'm going to do it. I could not get in the bottom position to, of a push up the plank position with the bent arms, could not do that low plank, could not do that, could not bench press, could not overhead press. After 90 days of doing that, I dropped to the floor and I did 11 push-ups. Wow. Because for 10 years, I lived with this pain. Even when I was running, like when I jogged, just the tugging on my arm like this would cause pain in my shoulder. I'd start walking. Wow. You had it was a... nuts. Yeah. Serious so stuff. This, this <clears throat> helped. So with that, you know, I was like, 
you know, I started working more and more to develop the product and, and my idea and to get involved in this type of training. So I've been kind of doing it for, you know, since 2007, you know, not with a real club, but that's how I started. And how did you actually get into it at all? Like, what's your background and your knowledge? Like, where did this all start from? Well, I, I, I was, I typed in, like, I don't even remember what the search engine was back in 2007, like Ask Jeeves, I think. And I typed in alternative shoulder exercise. And from there, are, are you, you asking how I got into the clubs or how I got into fitness to start with? Uh, yeah, the fitness actually. Yeah. A 12 year old boy living in on the border of New York and Connecticut in the metropolitan New York city area. I lived in Byram, Connecticut, which is, you're ready for this. It's a, it's a section of town of Greenwich, Connecticut. So I'm not the rich guy. I was, you know, I lived in the neighborhood where garbage men and the carpenters live on the other side of the tracks. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So so it was like all the guys were growing up and everybody wanted to be a tough guy and hold their ground. And there was, you know, Northeast mentality. And yeah, I, yeah. I think it's the boy mentality, let's just say. Right. And, you know, I wanted to be a big, strong guy. And, you know, we just started to get into watching wrestling. And Hulk Hogan was a figure then. You know, he was brand new. And, oh, yeah. you know, Bruno San Martino and those guys. And, and Gorilla Monsoon was just finishing up his career. But now we have the new flamboyant wrestlers coming out that look more and more like Dustin Rhodes, like Ric Flair, you know, modeled himself after yeah. Dustin Rhodes and all that. So, you know, being a big, strong guys and it kind of like went along and the older kids were already lifting weights. And, you know, and our dads had a little bit of experience with it, not too much, but, you know, everybody's dad kind of knew how to do the exercises. I guess they were exposed to it when they were kids, but it, it really wasn't as mainstream in the 50s as it was in let's say the 70s so where kind of like grew into its own so i was always in fitness i had a um a fitness store in a flea market uh back in new york when i was 19 years old uh i I was sold exercise equipment made by jubinville um ed jubinville up in massachusetts and I used to buy Louis Ferrigno's weights. I used to drive down to Brooklyn and pick them up from there. Wow. And I would sell uh, nutritional stuff. So I kind of had like a mini GNC and a, and like a weightlifting shop. People come and buy weight plates for me and things like that. It was, you know, it was like kind of a hobby business and I got to meet other people in it. So from there I started and I continued with fitness throughout my life um, till I got injured. Then I took a little hiatus. I was looking for something else to do because I thought, I said, for sure, that was, you know, the end of me doing stuff normally. I really thought I was going to be a debilitated individual, and it kind of like was wearing on me. Then I found out about the clubs and found I could do them and that they helped me rehabilitate my shoulder. You know, once I did that, I saw, I typed in, I was starting to tell you before, I asked Jeeves, alternative shoulder exercise. It came, again, I'm going to mention Scott Sonnen, right away to his RMAX page and him doing a mill. And he was doing this. And I was like, that's the exercise I need to learn how to do. And in the meantime, between all this, I went to school for massage therapy and I went to a good school because I figured it was the easiest way to get into the exercise field with an actual medical title because it just got changed over to LMT. You weren't a masseuse anymore. Yeah. You're actually recognized by the medical community and you could bill it through insurance. I wanted to get involved in getting guys off of steroids and getting them into 
different recuperative methods, you know, that I read about that were coming out of, you know, um, Russia and Bulgaria. I read a lot of Tudor Bhakta stuff, you know, and strength training. And they were big into clubs and kettlebells. They understood the, the ballistic principles. And that's why they create so many fantastic um, Olympic lifters, because the, the club training and kettlebell training is very close to Olympic lifting, where you use the whole body and the dynamic of the force of the weight that you're throwing and, and moving. And you use that, you know, so I, I really kind of got interested in that. And, you know, I was, I wanted to do something where I could get guys away from the steroids and possibly into more natural healing methods. And was there something other than the almighty steroid to be able to get people to the same level that pro athletes are at? So I was very interested in that. I was interested in the big picture of fitness and athletics. And this was in the 90s, like right before I got hurt. So, and I'm not going to say steroids were involved in my injury, but, you know, that's a different thing. But I, I was understanding what was going on. Plus, I had access to talk to a lot of the Miami Dolphins, being that they used to come over to my restaurant. And I, I was talking with, you know, guys that were off at offensive linemen, linebackers, maybe the quarterback or two, you know, people that, you know, were prominent players. They'd all, they'd all come over to grab lunch over there from their, from breaking their training in the afternoon when they didn't feel like eating at the cafeteria on, on the training campus. This is what so you that had to... was kind of cool, you know, like how I got in, you know, like with that. And yeah. then after the injury and everything, I got, I got interested in the clubs because I thought it was such a phenomenal way to train. And, the skill required to move the club, you know, I mean, people can learn how to do this. It's simple enough for everybody to learn how to do if they practice, just like everything in life. Yep. You can learn how to do it if you keep trying. Just don't give up. And on maybe it. have yeah. some good coaching, too. I mean, that helps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get your aha moments, you know, what, you right. know, like if somebody told you something. And, you know, it, it's it's to look at it as a, it's it was a lot of fun to get involved in that and to learn the different nuances, the different styles of the training. Um, I bought uh, training DVDs from Shane Hines. Uh, he did a lot of club flow stuff back in the days. I was interested more in the strength stuff. So I would, you know, you know, check the videos to how I was doing on my training. Then I got involved with Rick. I was talking with Rick. I was talking with Scott Simon. And, and, you know, it was, I'd ask them little questions. Then uh, ultimately Jim Romig became my, like personal coach, you know, I'd ask him about everything because he was one of uh, he was one of the first TACFIT certified people, and he had a gym that was teaching that out in California. He was involved in that, so you know, I had access to people, and, and you know, it was it was at a time, you know, this was five years ago, six years ago when I started talking to these people. Now there's even more people. Yeah. You know, like you look on Instagram, I'm sure your feed looks like mine. Like my first 30 posts when I go at 11 o'clock at night, when I'm looking at the Instagram feed, first 30 posts are Mason Club all the way down. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, you know, from all over the world. Right. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Six years ago, I had to like, you know, wait two days for Rick to call me back, you know, because he was, you know, like busy, yeah. you know, and, and now I can... You know, there's so many, so many more people doing this and embracing this modality. 
and the community. I mean, it's just fantastic the way it's grown. I, I, I can't get over it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it from, you know, from two standpoints. I'm looking at it as a, an enthusiast in, and, and an athlete in, in the um, Mason Club community. But I'm also looking at it from the opposite side where I'm a business owner. Yeah, and I'm going, wow, you know, this this is really, really coming along, and people are are loving this. They're really fun, and it's so useful to so many different things. The uh, powerlifters, for example, they're all, you know, everybody's immediately rotating unless you got beautiful form and you can concentrate on, you know, pulling your shoulders back all day long. Guys that are doing heavy benching, they're all internally rotating. Yeah, and and you know, this is one of the a light club, you know, a little bit after your bench press and, and not a lot of stuff. You know, I'm talking five reps, three reps, three sets of five reps, just to get your shoulders open again, get some fresh blood in that area, get out all that bruised. I call it bruised blood. You know, when it's there and it's pumping up your muscles yeah, yeah. and it's getting that, that thick, tired blood, mm-hmm. you know, put some fresh blood back in there, some oxygenated stuff with, you know, nutrients that are all, aren't all worn out. Instead of just being all crammed in there, you know, to the swelling and pooling of it. Yeah. And it, it, it makes you feel so much better. And I think I think that as more and more athletes are are incorporating club and base training in their other um, way of training, they're going to find there's I, I'm, I'm going to say that there's probably going to be a reduction in a lot of injuries, especially rotator cuff injuries. And uh, people are generally just going to feel better and they're going to heal faster. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, that, that's how I've been training. Um, in fact, I did bench press today and, you know, uh-huh. I did dumbbell bench press. And in between sets, I grab my 10 pound mace. I, I choke up on it and use it like a club and I do outside mills. So yeah. that, that just, like you said, when you, when you're bench pressing, you know, especially heavy, everything turns, you know, inward and the muscles are pushing in that sagittal plane. And I mean, you just open yourself up doing a mill. And then when you go back for your next set, it feels so much better. I I feel like more comfortable doing it. And bench press is, is a tough exercise for me. It's always been a real rough one. And I, I mean, I feel the difference doing those mills i i might make my arms my shoulders might burn out a little bit faster because i'm i'm adding that in but it's it's not changing too much how much weight i'm doing it just might knock me down a couple of reps but overall uh the the complete package is is a game changer for me especially now that i've been doing this for a couple decades the benefits of adding that in there are going to outweigh the couple of reps that you miss. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, right. And, and I'm, and I, and I will stick by. You could carve that on my tombstone. You know, that's that's you know that right there. If I had known about, well, I knew about club training. We talked about that before. I knew about club training prior to that. But if I had gotten involved with it and maintained that, I probably wouldn't have injured my shoulder, and I'd probably be like a champion powerlifter right now, all beat up. <laughs> right, but right. you know, I, I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I was okay as a powerlifter. I wasn't great, but you know, like I, I could hold my own, like in a local competition. But um, you know, that I, I think people are looking now as fitness, where they're not going into a gym and destroying themselves anymore they're looking at the longevity portion of it and that's a good way like because that's that's um that's understandable by any person 
anywhere in, you know, in any community that if you can make your body perform better and last longer and feel better there, that's fitness. Sure. You know, to me, yeah. if you're beating yourself up when you're in a constant state of repair and recuperation, that's not really fitness that you're, you're, you're training for a goal. And, um, you know, that's not appealing to everybody, but I think that, you know, club and mace training is something that can be appealing to everybody because it's, it's pretty much easy to learn. It's like that game Othello. It takes a minute to learn, but a lifetime to master. Yes. Right. So, so, you know, you can get the movement. Mostly everybody can do that. You run across a few people that don't have the mobility that could possibly injure themselves. That is a good thing for coaches to test their um, clients for. Uh, I, I think that most coaches will find out that, you know, pretty much a hundred percent of their clients are, are pretty much good to do uh, club and mace training. I think um, there's a very few, there's very small amount of people that aren't able to do it, you know, with yeah. that poor mobility or having something just really structurally unsound in yeah. their body for right. whatever reason. So, you know, it's, I haven't run across anybody that can't or shouldn't be doing it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I realized that after about two years, somebody had made a comment on, uh, on social media a few years ago, uh, saying that they test their clients for that. And I was like, that's pretty weird, but I wonder why they're doing it. And then I looked at it from a physical therapist standpoint of view, like where, you know, how would a PT look at this? How would a PT assess this? And then I said, okay, let's see if they've got that mobility to be able to do this, Yeah, you know, and not end up here. Like the guy, that guy I told you about with the screw in his shoulder. Yeah. You know, he only had a range of mo motion here. So, you know, you can't just throw a mace in his hands and say swing. Right. Right. Yeah. But you know, like I said, there's that, that's the only person I've run across in the hundreds and hundreds of people that I've met that are doing this and, mm -hmm. you know, people that I've worked with. Right. Now, uh, you've been doing this for a while using that design and everything. Or do you have anything that you're planning for the future that you could talk about? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, being that Mace Flow is coming out, you know, to be such a popular um, way to train. And I'm an advocate of both Mace Flow, of strength, of the traditional stuff. You want to swing a gata with a block of concrete on the end of it? I will do it with you. You know, it's got a bamboo handle. If you want to use somebody else's mace to do flow, I'll do it with you. But I've seen how much the flow is coming along. And I've made, there's a few of them out there. Some people have them, you know. So there's going to be some people that say, yeah, I got one. I made 10 fat handle Adex maces. And I did them just to see what they, you know, how people would respond to them. And I also messed around with the, um, the weight on the end. So uh, my products are come uh, the Adex Club, the Adex Mace, and then I have the add-on kit, which goes over that, which is a sleeve. It's two sections of steel sleeving. Uh, one of them is 10 inches long, and the other one is two and a half inches long. And they, they have uh, pins and set up just like the regular Adex stuff like this here. They got the pins inside them and the holes on the other side so that the pieces, you know, lock together just like the Adex clubs do. 
And I took the short piece from there, a five pound weight and a two and a half pound weight on the fat handle. And all of a sudden now I've got an Adex flow mace because the flow people were telling me that the handle was just a little too thin for them to get that spread on the on the bar right. to really stretch it out. Right. And they like doing it. So there's uh, nine of them. I've got one here. I'm not selling it. I don't care what you offer me can, for it. Can we see it? it? Do you have it right there? Do you, can we see it? Or it's it's in the kitchen right now. Actually, it's in the kitchen. You want me to run it? You want me to run and get it? Yeah, let's go, let's take a look at it. Hang on a second, I'll get it. Take your time. I'm not going to take my time. I'm going to rush. <laughs> okay, don't well, don't fall. <laughs> I just want to know why it's in the kitchen. What what were you uh, using that to tenderize your your chicken? That was that was a good joke, right? That was a good joke. Yeah. It's all right. Christian, my engineer, heard that joke. I'm going to tenderize my chicken, by the way, right. for now on. But I'm going to use my five-pound mace for that. Boom, boom. It tenderizes a piece of chicken in half the time. Twice the chicken. In, are you talking about an Instapot? <laughs> no, I, I, I was saying to my engineer here and to the audience who, who was uh, listening in, um, that you were tenderizing your chicken with that's why it was in the kitchen uh, yeah that's kind of <laughs> funny so i'm gonna put my adex hat back on chris so just in case nobody knows that i'm about adex yeah you know right uh, and my daughter my my youngest daughter designed these banners so i just got to give a shout out to anna you guys might see her on instagram a slang and steel and uh she's going to be back again doing some more stuff with me so she's kind of a lot of fun to train with um Here's the regular, this is an arc. I don't know if you can see the whole thing right here. I don't know how much. I, so you can see the thickness, the difference in the thickness right here. This is the, the fat yeah. handle mace. Yeah. And um, instead of having the long, you know, weight set up like I normally have, this is how the weight setup is going to be. So it's all condensed. Yes. So it's like the globe, yeah. you know, because I realized as the weight goes out, it's very hard for people to hold it there to flow with. Yeah. But when it's here, it's, you know, it's all condensed in that area. So what is this is going to offer is actually, I think it was seven settings. And it goes up in two and a half pound increments from six pounds to 20 pounds. Now, just give me a second here. I know this is tedious to watch me unscrew the threads. But this also is about 30 seconds worth of time when you take the... Um, when you take the thread out to yeah, change it, it's, and then it's not a big deal. You know, you should be taking a little break in between sets anyway. This gives you opportunity yeah, to catch your to breath. Your think so about what you're going to do. This is a five pound weight. This is a five pound weight. And this is a two and a half pound weight. So now you're down to a six pound mace to start off with. Nice. You add this on there at seven and a half pounds. You put this, it makes it 10. Then you go 15. If you take this out, then you got a 12 and a half. Nice. Just like that. Ooh. And then you can take, you know, add and subtract this to make 17 and a half pounds and 20 pounds. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of a cool setup to, to work with. Um, Lionel down at Lion Strong, Lionel Lumark, uh, he really got into Mason Club training. And he's kind of like the center down here in Florida for all the Mason Club training. He's got a. Uh, I think he's got uh, 40 of my maces and clubs down there. He holds big classes with them. No kidding. And a lot, wow. I, I do a lot of certs down there because it's, you know, nice, you know, people can go over to South Beach and 
Leo held the shirt down there. Yeah. And um, so Lionel's giving it a run through because he's a little more um, astute with the mace flow than I am. I'm kind of clunky with it still. Right. But one day, one day I'll be good at it. I'm gonna, I'm aspiring to. You know, I'm gonna be as smooth as cool. Leo one day. I'm gonna say that. All right. And cool, I'm, man. So, I, so Lionel's developing, um, you know, his his version of mace flow, and he's using this setup right yeah. now. I was just talking to him this morning. He said he's loving everything the way that it's going. I can take the hat off. You know, it's hot here. And um, he said he's loving the way that it feels. And he's kind of like, uh, I think the handle's the right um, the right thickness right now. He says maybe we'll go a little thicker. So I'm just getting his feedback from it. I think Kevin Stokes has got one too. Oh, really? So okay. He says about it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few other people out there. Mike Gonzalez has one who just competed on at uh, in the uh, in the um, Texas May Shootout. I'm sorry, I was going to say Vintage Strength. It's a Texas May Shootout over at Jonathan Morris's gym at the Unconventional Fitness Center in Austin. Yeah. Which uh, I think none of the guy. I, I'm going to say none of the guys from a certain other uh, fitness community, fitness business over there. Uh, showed up to show what they're doing yeah which uh I'm, I'm surprised about but they should have been there you know to promote uh to promote the modality but um yeah I'm, i'll call people out on that crap because i'm trying to build the community for everybody yeah you know i'm not i'm i'm not you know like you know the whole mace unit thing stuff like that look you want to swing flow with this wear the paint off of it you want to swing heavy wear the paint off of it send me pictures Tell me how your mace training is doing. I want to know what you guys think of, you know, what's going on and, you know, what your ideas for, you know, how the mace community can grow, how the club community can grow. You know, that's very important to me. I, I, I love being in touch with everybody like this, you know, and yeah. hearing what people got to tell me. So if anybody's got ideas and tell me, you know, if my stuff sucks, if my stuff is good. Tell me about it. You know, give me feedback on can this be changed? Can that be changed? Yeah. So you know, I'm open for all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know you are because, like, you, you know, you're you're really definitely onto something. I think your Adex Mace design is superb, um, and now seeing that you're adding in this component for doing flow is, I think that's off the hook, man. That's that's gonna really help uh people with their you know with, with their training in general i mean like just thinking that you could change the weight with one club and uh mess around with different weights and and see how your flow is and th i think that's awesome and and you're adapting to the market too you saw that the flow was really doing something special and you were like hey i could i could provide something so you're providing that as something else to the audience that's using uh, flow. Well, I, I think the, uh, I watch the guys doing flow. I do. I'll put it up. I, you know, I, I, uh, airplay it from my, from my computer to my TV and Lisa and I'll just watch it. Yeah. And you know, that you can see the different styles of different personalities. Yeah. Of it. Um, the men and the women, they flow slightly different though. I gotta say the women are really, um, mindful. Yep. The men, the, the men are mind not that the men aren't mindful but it seems like the women like nail 
the the moves really really well like more so than the men do yeah um i i just think that's you know man brain woman brain you know difference. yeah there's something like there that. you're right yeah it's yeah. it's the, the, you know like the guys are are you know they've got weight they're moving with weight and they're and they're doing stuff that you know so it's it's really cool to see the different sexes doing that yeah and then the different personalities and the music involved with it and and you know just all that stuff i i, I dig it i yeah. really do yeah I, I i think it's i think it's something that's beautiful to watch I, I am a proponent of it. Um, I hope to see that we're going to, um, you know, get this into the competition somehow. Uh, we're already kicking around the ideas of how to set that up. Yeah. Um, or you could have a vintage flow games. Boom. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, I mean, that would be beautiful. I mean, Brad's doing Brad and Valerie are doing a great job of, you know, getting these events going and having other people put in charge of them. Like Jonathan, you know, mm -hmm. is going to be in the center of the state doing the doing the stuff so you know we're on the we're in the infancy of a research so basically this modality died out and now it came back again now it's up to us to yeah. really foster it out in the community right and uh and and perpetuate it because it's not only fun but it's so healthy to be moving to be active you know i'm 56 years old i I feel bad for the people who didn't maintain themselves throughout life. I really do. Right. I, I look on Facebook. I see a lot of people that I went to high school with are getting knee and hip replacements already. Um, the diabetes is so much up there, you know, and, and I understand it's a lifestyle and it's a hard thing to adhere to for some people, but it's you, you're the only you, you got, and we got to take care of our you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? If we don't take care of this, I mean, think about you. You're you're a fireman and an EMT, and if you don't take care of Fred, how is Fred going to take care of that guy that's trapped in that building or that guy that fell down the flight of stairs that you have to go and get out of that stairwell? Right. Yeah. Or you know, or you could even kind of scale that back and just if you're uh, if you have a family, right? How are you going to take care of yeah. your family? Just uh, think about it. You know, you got to go to work. You might have to work a lot. And yeah. then uh, you also want to interact with your family and not be wiped out, tired or weak or whatever. And um, exactly. take care of yourself and, and then you can do that. And you want to show your kids to grow up, to be a strong, yeah. um, self-reliant individual. You know, you want to be able to, a bit, you know, have more abilities Yeah. and, you know, being strong is an ability, you know, and it's, and strong is relevant. Strong doesn't mean stronger than the next guy or stronger than the next woman. You know, it's strong. It is the ability for yourself. If I can only lift this today, tomorrow, I want to lift this. Yeah. So I have to work this to be able to get to this. Now I'm personally getting better. Yeah. I'm not competing against other people out there. And I think that's a, you know, a big turnoff for people in the fitness, you know, trying to get people into fitness. Oh, well, I'm in competition with other people. You know, right. I think that, that they should look at it as doing, you know, yeah, bettering yeah. themselves. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you're all, if you're, have that mindset, you're always going to be stuck in competition mode because there's always going to be somebody out there that you, you compare yourself to, and then you that's know, just going to grind you down. Like, like you're doing that, you know, like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, like the corner of your eye look, you know, there's a dude deadlifting in a corner and you don't really want to hard look at him right. and be like, you know, what's, what's, what, what the F, what, what's he got on that? I almost slipped. What's he got on that bar over there? Yeah. You're doing the, you know, corner of the eye. Yeah. And you're like, damn. 
got four or five on there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and it's all of a sudden you got that thing going. I had this thing going on right before um, I I decided that I was only going to do Mason Club training, and I was still going to a regular gym. There was a kid that was coming in there. He probably had to be 15 years younger than me, minimum. And he was coming and he was all crossfitted up. He had the, you know, the shaved head on the sides, the parted over hair. Yeah. And he had the beard going on. He had the froning fear, the beard shirt. He was wearing the socks with like the day of the dead from dead, deadlifting, <laughs> the day of the dead mask. Yeah, yeah. And I started calling him deadlift boy. So I'm doing Romanian deadlifts one day and I see this kid come in and he's got like 375 on the bar and I'm like, damn, you know, and he's like, and he's pulling and he's got his chucks on and he, yeah. And I kept saying to Lisa, is he a CrossFitter? And she's like, yeah, I think so. All this stuff. He's wearing high leech shorts. He's got this nanos on, um, you know, or he had his chucks on when he was deadlifted. But, um, you know, and I'm looking, and I, then it started. Then I, st- I was doing Romanian deadlifts, and I'm like, all right, so next Tuesday night, I got to be pulling too. Yeah. And Lisa's like, you said you weren't going to deadlift anymore because you don't want to throw your back out. Oh, no, I'm fine. I, I was doing those Romanian deadlifts. I'm doing, I'm doing 225 or Romanian deadlifts. I, I still got a 405 pull in me. You know, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. So then the competition starts. So every Tuesday we'd go to the gym and deadlift boy would be there. You know, yeah. now I got a name for him. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be driving over there and I'm drinking my pre-workout and I'm going, I wonder if deadlift boy's there and I'm getting like macho man and I'm going, oh yeah, Elizabeth, I'm going to come in here and tear him up tonight. You know, I've got that, you know, that, that thing in my head going like that. And I got this, little competition and i see him looking back at me so that's fueling it more so it ultimately ended up me getting an acupuncture to release a, a locked up quadratus lumborum oh, nice. trying a romanian deadlift 275 yeah and and you know i ended up going for three months for acupuncture for this because that's what deadlift boy did to me yeah yeah right so I, I said you know what i think it's time to back out of this stuff i'm not you know in that mode anymore let's yeah focus on this let me be the best club and may swinger that i can be and that's where i want to go and i want to share that with everybody so that's pretty much you know like how i am only doing or well, predominantly doing mason club training right now i do a little bit of kettlebell lifting and a little bit of you know i'll deadlift or i'll power clean every once in a while just to you know move some weight and feel feel you know that weight on me but it it's every couple weeks now yeah it's not it's not all the time yeah right right i also want to train this way all the time so you guys out there don't have to i can say well this is what i did for x amount of years and this is all i did and here's my progress or here's my you know here's where i progressed here's where i didn't progress what i could have done better and things like that and you know having the availability of the adjustment of the adjustability of the clubs really is, you know, a big component of that because I can go, you know, I can train mills with, you know, 35 pound mills I can do, you know, for sets of eight reps and then I can lighten it up and bang go down to like 20 pounders and burn it out at the end, you know, for a time set or, you know, like a hundred reps or something, however I get there. So so there's, there's a lot of different things you could, definitely do it's not a one-dimensional piece of uh, um, equipment and I think yeah. you know as time goes on the integration of it into other routines is going to become more widespread and and essentially it's it's going to be 
that big game changer for most people that come across it on all different levels. It's either just going to help with their stability and, and um, you know, mindfulness about how their body moves, or it's going to even help with, you know, some injuries and stuff like it helped with you and everything. So now if you um, – uh, how, how do people actually, you know, purchase one of your maces? Uh, where do they find you at? And, um, you know, what's your – I've got this awesome website that's called atxclub.com yeah. and, uh, and all of the clubs from 2016 on have that right in there. Uh, I can't so, say it. What does know, it say? It says atxclub.com. Uh, okay. All right. And what so is, it's, what it's, does addx mean? What's that? What does addx mean? Adjustable exercise. So I made the clubs and I, I was, I wanted to use a short, brand specific name you know like ajax or yeah. apex or something like right. something old school acme yeah. you know now there's the acme sledge works yeah but um so i was like all right so i wrote down what it was and i looked at it for days and days and days and then i was like add x adjustable exercise because they were yeah, i wrote addx i wrote addx adjustable exercise club so that adex was kind of like right there in a little block yeah and I was like, adjustable exercise. That's it. Yeah, it's a great name. I, I love it. It's like, it's like you said. It's it. Yes, it has that old school kind of sound to brand. it. You know, it's a brand specific name. Yeah. And and, and yeah, it, it it does sound old school. Like yeah, it's cool. And yeah. It, and that's very appealing to um, like strength people because I want this to be around for a long time. So I wanted to have. A, a personality of its own. And oh, yeah. Soul. It's definitely you know, got a personality of its own. I mean, it, it's a very manly product, but I at the Vintage Strength Games, I saw women swinging it like no tomorrow. And um, yes. actually, uh, if you remember Virginia, do you remember Virginia going up there? And swinging? Yes. The she, tall girl? She, yep. Yeah, she just did a recording. So her podcast is going to be coming out uh, in like – a uh, week or something like that um so she, you know she tells her story and everything and 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 um and i'm going to be interviewing pretty much everybody else that was there too that day so i just got to get them into the click but don thank you for sharing all this uh great stuff with us the story and and everybody could find your mace at adex club adex club.com and you're yes. on instagram adex i am on at X Club on Instagram. I'm at X Club on Facebook. And also Don Joffredino. Uh, last name begins with a G. It's, um, you know, if you can't find me, look from at X and then go from there to find me. I'm also on LinkedIn. So anything on there, both at X Club and uh, Don Joffredino. All right. That's, that's my name for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I go by Donnie. It's okay to call me Donnie when you call me on the phone. I'm not. You know, a stickler about oh, I'm a grown up. I have to be called Don or Donald. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still Donnie. I'm I'm still out there, and I want to be you know friendly and familiar to people. So yeah, you know, everybody's and, everybody's my cousin that's swinging this stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like one big family. And when somebody buys one of your Adex maces, do they get a free slice of pizza with it, or you don't make pizza uh, anymore? I, you know, every once in a while I'll make some pizza, like at friends of mine's restaurants and stuff like that. You know, it's like a bicycle. You never forget how to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I got to make the first one kind of slow and then the second one I'm able to spin. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's 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 a perishable skill, but it's there. 
Yeah, you're spinning that pizza like you're spinning a mace. It's uh, your trans yeah. transverse plane. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I look forward to uh, you know, seeing how everything turns out with your your new flow mace and everything. Keep us posted on that, and um, I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Hey, hey, thank you for having me on. And it's been a pleasure and, and you're an excellent host. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. Have a good day.